Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. A lot of games to recap from yesterday, no doubt about it. Not only NFL football, but the World Series came to conclusion yesterday in a shocking San Francisco Giant sweep of the Detroit Tigers. A little race car driving and definitely some Hurricane Sandy or Frankenstorm talk, if you want to talk about that. We'll do little debates, too, and how that affects the Romney and Obama political drives here in the final week. we got a lot to cover in the next 58 minutes and 24 seconds. We'll do the best we can in the limited time available with the coach and the big dog in this semi-dysfunctional sports show known as Two Guys. Adam Mike, producer extraordinaire. He's not dysfunctional. He's fully functional, at least here at work. Home is another question. 888-463-6748. David Olson, producer extraordinaire. He'll be answering the phone calls. A little bit of music and then we'll get the show off and running. The theme of this show, David Olson and Big Dog, is so much to talk about, so little time to do. We could spend an hour on the World Series, a recap of the 2012 baseball season. We could go down all the NFL games yesterday, spend an hour on that. We could talk about the Bears-Carolina game and spend an hour on that, not to mention potentially one of the greatest, uh, greatest is the wrong word, one of the worst potential natural disasters coming to the coast uh, of the United States, and uh, oh, and we have a presidential election coming up. Outside of that, not much to talk about. Let me welcome in a man who uh, likes to talk about it all, and he can synthesize with the best of them, my good friend, my partner, the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Big dog, how are you? Uh, I just want to talk about James Harden being traded. I don't know about the rest of That's that, another that's shocker. Really, what yeah. the hell? I, I saw that like as a Yahoo, little note, Yahoo reporting James Harden has been traded. Like, what? Apparently, you know, fifty-five million for five years, not enough, big dog. For for four years, whatever. Well, that, that's a big difference. I mean, that, that's like fifteen million dollars in this pocket coat. Eh, so you know, we don't want to short change the guy. Pocket change. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, we have a lot to talk about. I was just for some reason I was just struck by that. Yeah. There's so many things this weekend. My goodness, you're, you're right. There's a lot of stuff going on. All. Yeah. While you're at it, who were the particulars? I got you. Not not. It's funny is when my roommate screamed down, the Thunder just traded James Hart. I can't believe it. And I heard what they got back for him. And I'm like, they got all that for James Harden? And they didn't have to give him $55 million? Who did they get? The the Thunder got uh, Kevin Martin, who's just, that dude can score. That's all he does. Okay. Then they also got Jeremy Lamb, who I really like, the kid out of Connecticut coach. Not Jeremy Lin. Because he's a Houston Rocket, but Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb. Okay. Yeah. Well, you had and the, then, you had to trade Jeremy Lamb because you can't have Jeremy Lin and Jeremy Lamb on the same team. Oh, but the confusion is unbelievable. Oh, but they look the confusion. Very similar. Yeah. They look very similar. Yes. And then, uh, and then you were all. They also got a, a first round pick and two second round picks, or two first round picks and one second round pick. Wow. For one player. Uh, and and they don't have to give that guy fifty five million dollars. Like the Thunder have just like struck freaking gold. They already have two superstar players. All they need is 
everybody else around him that are real good at some things, and then you have Scotty Brooks make sure that the five guys out on the court can do everything at least a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, there's other things to talk about, but it's just funny how when people yeah. first heard it, they're like, I can't believe the Thunder traded in Harden. And I'm like, I can't believe they got all that back for him. David so, they also wow. sent Cole Aldridge, Lazar Hayward, and Daquan Cook. To Houston. To Houston. That, that could be addition by subtraction. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Cole Aldridge, the, uh, the great white stiff out of uh, Kansas. Good ball player, but I don't know if he's an NBA difference maker. Yeah, and, uh, and Daquan Cook is shooting right now as we speak, <laughs> but he's nowhere near a basket. Gets off the ball, and he's shooting threes for the Buckeyes of Ohio State. Uh, the only thing I would tell you, though, big dog, the only niche in your analysis, and I agree with it, but a lot of people will say it has been proven that, uh, you know, two great players, you got a great team. When you have three great players, three great scores, then you are a championship level. Not two, but three. James Harden could have been that third. Well, yeah, no, there is no question the Thunder gave up a great basketball player. Okay, that's, I do not want to diminish James Harden's talents whatsoever. They really did give up a good basketball player. And again, the argument of the three or the two, I, I we can go back and forth. You know, the Lakers and the Celtics of the '80s basically they proved that you and the Detroit Pistons that you need three great players to really, you know, be a team. But you know, I, you could then you can look at uh, the Jordan Pippen, you can look at the Dwayne Wade, uh, LeBron James scenario also, depending mm-hmm. or Shaq or and Kobe, depending on how great the first two are, and Kevin Durant. And Russell Westbrook, I think, are that good. And they have a bunch of, like, Serge Ibaka is kind of that great coach, but he's a defensive version of being that great right. superstar third player. Beep, beep, beep. We just passed our uh, limit of Oklahoma City Thunder basketball talk. I was shocked like you, dog. But we will have time in the middle of the week to talk about uh, the second greatest beard in all of sports, James Harden. We and, have uh, and talk about the fact that the NBA is starting tomorrow. So I, I, I just that was dropped in my lap too. That's why I was like, "What?" That's why all of a sudden, for like the last ten minutes, I've good been kind of NBA heavy. Good point. Bulls opening game a home against Sacramento. Very exciting. Uh, but we have issues to uh, declare after the weekend. Big dog. A uh, uh, Bears come from behind victory thriller twenty four twenty three. We've got a full slate of NFL games. We'll do it in our NFL round them up, wrap them up. Some great finishes yesterday. We'll get to beat the Schmoes football results. College football, I don't know if we're going to get to it, but, uh, man, I mean, the top 25 was just, like, filled with bullet holes. I think, what was it, eight, nine teams of the 25 got beaten? I, I don't know how many. It was, it, was, it was good to see, and there was a lot of games that a lot of people did not expect happening, yep. and and. and and luckily, Notre Dame beating Oklahoma was Ooh. one of them. That was a beatdown. I don't care what the final score ended up being in that game. Notre Dame really controlled that football game. That was an excellent, excellent performance by the Irish. I, I did night. not see that one, one or two, but uh, ran into some uh, functional difficulties. But you talk about statement game. When you go to Oklahoma and beat the Sooner 30-13 to at Oklahoma, that, my friend, is a statement complete with verbs adjectives, and correct punctuation. I don't know what the final stat was, but with three minutes to go in the game, Notre Dame was outrushing Oklahoma 193-14 to 14 in yeah. yardage. Minus six for Oklahoma in the first half. Not good. Not yep. good at all. Yep. And big dog, uh, David Olson, I remember I told you to keep the tape of that particular program. Save a little bit in your stomach, big dog, for uh, in about six, seven weeks, because you could be eating a nice side dish. 
of Crow as Monte Teo continues to climb up the Heisman Award. Right now he is second behind the uh, oddly named but awfully talented Colin Klein. And and I'm going to repeat everything that I have said to you. If Monte Teo does not score a touchdown as a defensive player this year, there's no way that he'll end up winning. He, you have to have you have to have the Heisman moment, Coach. And I'm telling you right now, if in the UFC game he comes in, sacks Mac Barley, strips the ball, picks it up, and returns it for a touchdown, that will be his Heisman moment. And that, that will be him with the ball scoring a touchdown in their biggest game of the season, and then he'll be the Heisman. There throw. will be some uh, voters of the effeminate nature and possibly some of the female. I don't know if we have any female Heisman voters who would be upset if the Monte Teo sack of a Matt Barkley would mess up the beautiful blonde locks of Heisman candidate Matt Barkley. So well, keep, there's, keep that in mind. I, I don't think it will. He's been, he's been hit hard enough lately, as it is. All right, USC, by the way. Speaking of that, Matt Barkley on Saturday, record-breaking performance. Yeah. The Arizona Wildcats and Rich Rodriguez, they just kept steadfast and kept running and kept running, even though they were down big early to the USC Trojans. They come back and win. And USC could not see that. They were doing whatever they wanted, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. And, Coach, you and I are both a little bit different in the green. I like to run it first, throw it over the top. You like to pass it, spread it out and stuff. But both both of us know this. If you're throwing it all day long on a team, and all of a sudden when you're trying to put it away, you can't run it, then you continue to throw the ball on that team because you have to win the game. Well, USC decided to go shut down mode up two touchdowns against Arizona, and that didn't that didn't end up very well for uh, USC. I, I was able to watch the whole second half of that game. I had to watch it because I wanted to see if Marquise Lee was going to end up with 500 yards receiving, wow. he only ended up with 345. Unbelievable. 255 what? at halftime, Coach. I've never seen anything like it. How many, it was 16, it I, 17 catches for Marcus Lee? 17 for wow. 345 and a two-point conversion, which doesn't count on your stats. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. And in defeat. In defeat, the, 17 catches, 200 plus, no, 300 plus 345. yards. 345. Wow. 17 catches over 20 yards of reception and two touchdowns. That's unbelievable. Same thing happened on the NFL, uh, on the NFL level. Jason Witten for the Dallas Cowboys, 18 catches. I can't remember. It's not a record, but I can't remember. An NFL receiver in one game having more than that, but, uh, also. I can. In defeat. Uh, just, just to let you know, uh, that is the record for the tight end. No tight end has ever caught 18 passes. And when I tell you the game, well, first of all, Brandon Marshall holds the single game record, but that's 21. The record was 20. And it, if it was against the Bears. You don't remember it, Coach? No. In 19, it was 2000. The year was 2000. And Cade McDown is the quarterback for the Bears. It might have been 99. It was either 99 or 2000. And it's the second to last game of the season. And it's Jerry Rice's last game at as a 49er in San Francisco, and Terrell Owens in that game caught 20 passes. I do. Jerry Rice's goodbye game in San Francisco. Do not remember that. And I got scared all of a sudden. When Big Dog mentioned Cade McNown, Dave, all of a sudden I'm checking the record books to see if Marty Booker ever had 20 catches in a game. But uh, <laughs> it, it was the opposing team. Yeah, it was the opposing <laughs> team. And I remember getting in an argument with somebody. Somebody was like, Dude, Jerry Azuma had 22 tackles as a DB this week. He should be NFC Defensive Player of the Week. I'm like, are you kidding me? He had 22 tackles because he kept tackling <laughs> Terrell Owens as he gave up a 15-yard completion. 
I had brought up the fact that it was a record-breaking game. Just let you know, that was the last time Kate McDowell ever started for the Bears. They never reached inside of the 49ers 40 as they lost 17 nothing in that game. And that, that's that I have for real because uh, Jim Miller told me a story that he, uh, Kate McDowell went to the line, called an audible, uh, Olin Cruz called a timeout. And McNown went crazy on Olin Cruz started like MFing him on the field and Cruz was like, What was the audible you just called? And McNown realizes that was the UCLA audible and he just walked off the field with his head down. <laughs> he never started Oops. again for the Bears. Oops. That 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 that's right up there with the Terry Bevington walking out to the mound signaling for a reliever and uh Oops, no reliever in the bullpen. Nobody was warming up. Yeah. We've had some Chicago gas. That's sort of my favorite. Oh, so, yeah, goodness. But, Cade McNown, so the man who was going to make us all forget about Bob Avellini. Well, yeah. we did. Yeah. We did, luckily. <laughs> it, we, we forgot about him, thank goodness. Oh, now, goodness. So, yes, like, who else in the top 20? Like, a lot of teams played. So, like, Michigan gets knocked off by Nebraska. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma falls. Uh, but uh, the SEC would Mississippi State hadn't played anybody all year. For them to be ranked 11th was a joke. And I think about three minutes into playing Alabama, we realized that that team did not deserve a number next to it, besides like mm-hmm. a mortuary number, because they, that, <laughs> their season was dead. Georgia, <laughs> as we predicted, by the way, my Beat the Schmoes predictions of the NFL nature were 0-3. But as a little piecemeal solace here, I did uh, call, as did you, Big Dog, Georgia knocking off Florida, the number two team in the country, got beaten. And, you know, all year long, Florida has been playing perfect. They don't turn the ball over. They get a bunch of turnovers. And it's been the exact opposite for Georgia. And that's why this week, like, I was like, for some reason, I thought it was going to, like, the stuff that you can't explain in football, expect the unexpected. So I was like, well, Georgia's not going to turn it over in Florida, Will. And that did happen. And in my NFL thing, I put a bunch of points on Philadelphia to beat the Falcons because, that is exactly opposite of what's been happening that year. That didn't work out so much. But there the are four. Games, there's a lot of great teams, but there's four teams that have separated from the pack, and I still can't help but uh, get a little bit of smile out of the Oregon Ducks, who keep beating teams by 30, 40, 50. But they were up 46 to nothing. Who were they playing this weekend? It was Colorado. Coach. Colorado. I mean, Colorado's not good, but they're not that bad. Final score 70 to 21, and oh, Oregon drops to number four in the polls. Yeah, it was 70-14. Coach, wow. Oregon scored 50 points in the second quarter. Say what? They scored 50 points in the second quarter. David, check the uh, phones here. We have a technical difficulty. I think Joel said they scored 5-0-50 in one quarter. Uh, that's what the guy in ESPN said. I don't know about that. Well, that, please check that because that's what the guy said. There was a 50-point or maybe they had 50 points in the middle of the second quarter. That that's, I know is true for a fact. That's unbelievable. They definitely had 50 points in the middle of the second but you, quarter. Yeah, and again, when I say you've got four teams that have separated, there's some really good teams, including Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, et cetera, et cetera, below them. So I don't mean to denigrate the other team, but four have separated Big Dog from the rest of the pack, and it's the Alabama Crimson Tide, but not far behind. Kansas State playing unbelievable football. They beat Texas Tech. Notre Dame. I'm not rooting for them, but you got to give them all the kudos in the world. And then, of course, the Oregon Duck. Those four, you know, take any two and put them against each other. I'm happy with a national championship game. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you really now any two? If Alabama was not involved in yes. that at this point, you wouldn't say, well, they're getting kind of jobs. 
And I'm not 100% totally convinced that the SEC is as dominant as I typically say it is and everybody else just assumes it is this year. But Alabama, I'm trying to figure out which of those three teams would give Alabama a game. That's what I'm trying to figure. Out of the three, I think Kansas State would be the one that would most likely have a chance that could actually beat Alabama. Oh, I, I, they would. I don't think I don't think Alabama's that, but I think all three could give them a game. I don't think Alabama pulls away from any of those teams. I, I think the better question is which team has a better chance of beating them, but, but which team could stay close? I, I would just think Notre Dame's offense could do nothing against Alabama. They, if Notre Dame didn't get returns, by, as long as uh, – if Atkinson was healthy and could do like the Devin Hester does for the Bears when they play teams that are better and get like a touchdown – well, then the Bear, the the Notre Dame could hang with Alabama. I don't think so. And Oregon definitely could because Oregon, you just have that a feeling that someone's going to run for 80 yards and a touchdown mm-hmm. if somebody is not in the right gap. You know, it's like you know normally when a defensive tackle is told you got to make sure you cover up this gap. Well, when you're playing Oregon, they mean that for the whole entire field because they they run right up the middle, coach, and sprint. 85 yards for touchdowns. This, this team is nothing but a bunch of track stars. This is Oregon is really amazing right now, but I don't know if they can play any defense. We're going to find that out. But yeah. offensively, wow. And let us not forget the uh, forgotten boys in Manhattan, Kansas. Kansas State, tough. I mean, just a tough son-of-a-gun ball club. They convinced me with their big win over Texas Tech. I think K-State belongs with the uh, the other three teams. Now, at some point, we will see Kansas State going up against what, Oklahoma? Well, no, they they went to Norman and blew Oklahoma out already, coach. Ah, so, so who's they've already taken care of that win? Who's their they challenge don't. left in the Big Twelve? Well, they got Oklahoma State coming up this week, so let's do it one week at a time for them. So okay. I don't Oklahoma was supposed to be the, the tough team. Not I don't think they've played Texas yet, but they should be able to to beat them. They, everybody plays everybody in the Big Twelve. The ten teams. Is you there play nine games? So, so there's no every- there's no Big Twelve championship anymore. No, there isn't. Ah, they play everybody interesting. once. Interesting. All right. So that's the whole. Or is there now? Because of, I'm really sorry, coach. And I may have lost track, but now they added West Virginia and one other team. So there is a Big Twelve championship game, mm-hmm. and they don't automatically play everybody else. So okay. They might not even play Texas, but they've already. There's been so much movement. I forgot that they added West Virginia last year. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe West Virginia would be the team they play in the crossover championship game. That would be a pretty good challenge for them. But uh, you got four teams that are on top. Long way to go still, but uh, another great weekend of college football. By the way, the best game of the weekend, uh, and I taped it, Big Dog, was Friday night. The most entertaining, the most competitive, the best atmosphere of any of a bunch of great games was the Louisville Cardinal hosting. The Cincinnati Bearcat, phenomenal game. I didn't watch the whole game, but I did tape watch the end of it. I don't know if you heard how that ended, but that was the most competitive, most exciting game of the weekend. How did it end, Coach? Louisville in overtime. And it, Well, first of all, Louisville, it's back and forth game. Phenomenal. You know Louisville's undefeated right now. Yeah, Louisville's undefeated, and Cincinnati was uh, like in the top 20. Right. I think Cincinnati was a one-loss team. Huge rivalry game. Louisville quarterback Teddy Bridgewater is a dark horse Heisman candidate having a phenomenal season. But Louisville scores with about a minute 55 left touchdown to go ahead by seven. They're going crazy, jumping around. The atmosphere is unbelievable. Cincinnati gets the ball in the 40. Big dog, and they march right 
down the field methodically, score a touchdown with about 20 seconds left. Tie it. Send it to overtime. Cincinnati gets intercepted with the Uh-oh. first possession. Louisville only needs a field goal. They bring it down to the 12-yard line for a chip shot field goal. The Cincinnati coach and the cameras catch him is right next to the referee planning when to call timeout. Right as the ball snapped, he calls the timeout. And do I need to tell you? The snap goes over the holder's head. They botch the easy field goal, but because the coach called the timeout, they get to redo it. Louisville <laughs> kicks the field goal, win the game. Coach is out there. Stop doing that crap of calling timeout right at the last second. It's going to come back to get you every time. Every week at some level. Yep. Whether it's, uh, whether it's, uh, pro or college, we, there's a story of a coach that gave a kicker or snapper to hold or another chance to yeah. do it right. Yeah. Seriously. So that was, what um, you got to do now is walk up and act like you're going to call time and then not call time. That's what you need oh, to do. I like that. Cause the kicker's got it in the back of his mind that the, probably the whistle's coming. Yeah, exactly. That's so good. I like that. Count anyway. I like that. The fake strategy, the old, you put the hands together in the T and then pull it away at the last second. Nicely done, big dog. Uh, my my favorite one ever was when Mike Shanahan called did that two times in a row, and he didn't realize that you can't call time out, uh, twice in a row, and that's a 15 yard penalty and a 53 yard kick became a 38 yard <laughs> kick. And that's no joke. And then the guy made it. I mean, I, I love those stories. Sh- let the guy go kick the ball. He's a professional. He really. Yep. Oh, whatever. We, by uh, the we way, s- speaking of interceptions on um, extra points. Which is, you know, what, what Louisville did to Cincinnati in the, uh, in the extra period. Now in college, you can run it back, but the NFL play it happened in the Bears game. Yeah, you can't, you can't run it back. You cannot, that. but, that rule is but, stupid. that you should be able to run it back. Well, okay, let's, we'll, we'll discuss the rule in a second, but, but don't the players, Jay Cutler, hello, Carolina players and blockers in front of them, NFL, you've been in all that many years, you don't know the rule. That at an extra point, if it's intercepted, play is done. You could have lost a quarterback for the season, Big Dog. What if Jay oh, I, Cutler? I, I really, I really, at the time, was loving the fact that our, our starting quarterback with bruised ribs was chasing yes. some guy down the field in front yes. of a bunch of fat dudes on the block team. It was uh, first of all, there, it, it was, was very humorous. It, it got quite, it, watching, Coach. it got quite I humorous, Big Dog. Like our season's going to end right now. I can't believe you brought that up. That was the <laughs> most important part of the whole entire game. But well, there were two things with that. First of all, the humor of it was Cutler racing back to defend because he is, you know, whatever you say about Jake Cutler, and I'm a lot more negative than positive. He is a tough son of a gun. You can't take that away from. So he runs back, you know, taking the angle. He's going to make the tag, and then he realizes that the play probably doesn't count. And that he's got bruised shoulders and ribs, and he's got two big blockers. And then he, I don't know if you saw it or not, he tries to avoid a blocker. But then there's yeah, another yeah, blocker, yeah, and then he, he turns, and then he turns the other way to avoid, he was like playing pinball, and they finally got him, but, but it was pretty funny as he's trying to actually avoid. At, at halfway down the field, he realized, no tackle, I just want to avoid the blockers, and he's bouncing from one guy to another. Yeah, and it, it, it was funny, because one, I was a little angry. Because the whistle had already been blowing. Yes. And it was continued to be blown by his referees. And Cutler felt like he couldn't stop running because if he did, the guys that were chasing him to block him would have just destroyed <laughs> yes. him. So he yeah. had to continue <laughs> to stay ahead of the guys that were still playing that. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. So, uh, and what's humorous about it is his realization as he went from tackler to like that period when he realizes, oh yes, the play's over. I just got to avoid these guys. But you're exactly right. He couldn't stop because he would have got pummeled. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Now, the opposite opposite reaction, can you imagine if he would have got hurt on that play? Let's not even think that, Coach. Okay. Yes. Uh, You're exactly right because I was thinking about it as it happened. Because yeah. it, it was reminiscent of him chasing the yep. the charger up the sideline yep. last year. Yep. But at least that was a legitimate play. This NFL players should know. Interception, fumble, whatever on an extra point, play dead. Yeah, the, the play is dead. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I I don't understand. You know that I actually gave up a two point conversion in college. They blocked the extra point, and I swear to you, coach, I would play. You get mad at me because of how much I would play to the whistle my whole entire football career. I would continue to look for someone to block the whole entire time. Well, I'm not kidding you. I'm on the field. We just scored, totally exhausted. The extra point, and I hear the boom. I hear it. You know, you know. I'm not watching. I'm doing my job. I hear it. And I, and I turned around, and I saw one of their DBs with the ball in his hand running up the sideline. And I swear to you, Coach, I didn't even make an attempt to act like I just ran off the field. I was like, the guy's on the 50. There's what they're going to do to fall down and have cardiac arrest. I mean, that's the only way that he wouldn't make it. So I've actually been on the field where a touchdown was worth four points for our team because we got <laughs> six and they got two. Yeah. That really sucks. Well, I, and I will disagree with you a little bit. I don't think at any level, to me, if an extra point is an extra point is intercepted or fumbled or whatever, play dead. I don't, I don't like the fact a team can score points off just the extra point. I don't even like the and, extra point. And the and the gamblers get all upset about it because just say uh, there is uh, as, as a matter of fact, what happened was you remember the play where Cordell Stewart throws the ball seventy yards in the air to Michael Westbrook who catches it and beats Michigan by one point. Mm-hmm. Well, Lloyd Carr was upset that they didn't accept the extra point because technically Michigan would have a chance to block it and return it and win the game. Oh, he's right. So. Now, like after that, college football put it in where if you have a walk-off touchdown, it's done. So the gamblers can't complain either. Where mm-hmm. in the NFL, it's just the opposite. Where if you have a walk-off, you still have to go out there and attempt the extra point to make sure the gamblers are happy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number, folks. You want to check in, dog and the coach talking the weekend that was primarily football. Hopefully, we'll get to a little World Series talk too. Amazing story there. But uh, phone lines are open if you want to check in any of the games, collegiate or professional, over the weekend. We are right here for you at your service. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, answering the phones on the other side of the glass. 888 The phone number, Big Dog, how often does, if we transition now to pro football talk in the Bear Carolina, yeah. does a team win time of possession, as the Panther did, do they win total yardage by well over 100 yards, as the Panther did, and... Almost double. And, but here's the kicker, and they win the turnover battle. All three of those and still lose the game. That I have no clue when it's all of those, Coach. That, that, that's that's really amazing. I guess the only thing that the Bears would have won was uh, they had a much better red zone percentage yes. in terms of keeping uh, the touchdowns out of the end zone, making them keep on kick field goal after yep. field goal after field goal. Yep. You know, you and I always laugh about the fact that how the time of possession is one of the most overrated statistics. But turnovers definitely is not one of those stats. And (laughs) for them to lose a turnover battle and still end up winning that game, Coach, 23-22, we talked about how on Friday, I don't care if it's ugly, this is going to be a Carolina Panther team that is playing possessed 
because they want to keep their jobs. That guy Hardy, that defensive end coach, Woo. was that held out of. They held him out of practice on Thursday. Said you're not working hard enough. They held him out. That guy played like this is the last time I'm ever going to get a paycheck for a hundred thousand dollars for one day of playing football. And he played like a coach, like he was like his football career was on the line. Ask Demarcus Webb. Was that number ninety five? That was number 79. 70. 95 is Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson had a really good game. But Kevin, that's not Kevin Hardy, Darius Hardy or whatever mm-hmm. his first name is, three stacks in the first half. Oh, my goodness. Uh, by the way, is it time to to push the panic button on a number, another number one draft choice is Gabe Carini. The good part was he had no holding penalties, big dog. But the bad part, and I tried to watch number 72, he was uh, getting manhandled for the most part. Yeah, Charles Johnson was beating him. There's, there's no question. Yeah, he did not have a good game yesterday. He uh, yesterday Webb was worse, but you're right. Kamini is an investment. He's a first round draft pick. They got it. Why? Why are they? You should be 95 percent of your first round draft picks should end up being very good football players. Yeah, well, they already they already busted out players. on. You know, they lost what Mark Colombo, although he turned out to be decent. Then the Chris Williams, so there was they took a chance and picked yet another offensive lineman, and you, you're never sure, but you got to be sure if you're picking another O lineman. And Gabe Carini was, we were told by all the scouts, that we can't miss. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a road grader out of the uh, University of Wisconsin, can't miss Wisconsin offensive lineman in the NFL. But uh, right now he's missing a lot. Yeah, he is, and, and he's a member of the, the Jewish Brethren, Big Dog, which hurts even a little bit more. Well, yeah, I'm not giving up on the guy just yet because he's a decent run blocker, and Mike Tice should forget that. Sometimes he seems to forget that. That's what the Bears tend to be good at when you have Matt Forte. But one thing we have as Bears fans to know is this, is if the Bears can continue to win by not using Matt Forte, well, he should be pressed by the playoffs because they, they, I think they're forgetting that they have one of the top running backs in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, they ran him. I don't know if you want to run him into the ground. First half, you know, they ran him, and he was pretty effective. Second half, actually, Carolina was uh, stopping him for the most part. But you know, I, I thought they should stay. I thought they should have stuck with it a little more. Maybe okay. even more Michael Bush. They cannot pass block. Maybe they have to get more one-dimensional. I hate to really say it, Coach, but they just tee off. And why do they have to pass out of like it's like? It's obvious when the Bears are running or passing, they, oh, they're going to pass. They're going to put four receivers on the field. Oh, well, here comes two tight ends and a fullback, so they're going to run. Why can't they pass out of a two tight end and a fullback set? And when they do that, when they do do that, they go max protect and only send Brandon Marshall out as the only receiver. The only time they do what I just asked you to do, they don't put any other threat out there, and then they throw interceptions. Even though uh, Keller has all the time in the world, there's only one receiver out on the route. Uh, I was so glad to get Mike Marks gone. They go from the mad genius to the simpleton. I mean, can't they find anything right in the middle, Coach? A guy that can shake it up a little bit, yet have a logical scheme on offense? Big dog and a coach talking some NFL football. Bears find a way to beat the Carolina Panther dog. By the way, while you're analyzing the Bear offensive line and gap attack and X and O winning it, let me take you off the X and O. What do you think about those uniforms yesterday? I thought that's as fine a throwback look. That that might have been the best bear uniform look I've seen in a long time. I love the helmets. I love the uniforms. It was good. Do you know what years the uniforms are from, Coach? I don't, but I loved them. 
Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was a good look for the Bears just now. So they better win this game because I don't want. I hate when they come out with a real good throwback uniform and then yeah. lose them, and I'm sick of it. Like whenever they wear the blue pants uh-huh. and the blue tops, yeah, which to me they look phenomenal. They lose. They just they yeah. they, they play the Packers on prime time and they lose thirty seven ten. So I'm like, f the blue pants. Don't most, you know what yeah, I, I, most of their unis are good look, but they wear the sharp white. Pretty cool too. The orange is pretty sharp, but boy, that. Something about that orange popping on the navy blue was good, David. They've busted that one out before, haven't they? Have, they? Right. Yeah, last couple yeah, they seasons. Have that that right. isn't the first time they've used it. That is one of my. That's what I'm thinking. It's, uh, I'm almost positive it's like 48 to like 51 or something like that. It's that era in Bears jerseys that they were wearing in the game. All right. Now, the, how they, about speaking of uniforms? Speaking of uniform, you know what team I'm going to bring up here? When they went to the uh, you know little touchdown break replay. Breaking the action show highlights from other games, the Pittsburgh Steelers uniforms. Wow. I call them the, uh, the Ginny Jove uniforms because Ginny Jove was a girl who at times got me mad and then most of the time I had a complete crush on. But those Pittsburgh Steelers uniforms, they were the Ginny Jove uniform. I loved them and I hated them, big dog. I couldn't quite, I kind of mixed back and forth, but there was no in between with those puppies. Yeah, and what really set them off was the striped socks. Whenever you're wearing striped socks, <laughs> you know you are definitely either reaching to try to go over the top or yeah. you know that you've gone so far over the top that yeah. this is the, now, the final touch. Just as a sidelight, when Ginny Joe wore the striped socks, Big Dog, awfully good. Uh-huh. Oh, suddenly English class. That's why I got a C-. minus. That's all I can say. I got distracted there with the uh, the sock look, but yeah, that so <laughs> that's and we've seen some bizarre uniform looks over the years, but that would you say the most bizarre uniform look that I've ever seen well, in the NFL? Well, you, you do remember the Bears in in 1994 when they did the 75 anniversary no uh, uniforms? Do you remember but those? I don't. They were orange. They were very similar to what the Steelers had, except they were orange and blue. But I don't remember the, the the. They had the bold stripes, the big, thick orange stripes, just like the Steelers had. Except the Bears went up and down. The Steelers had that jersey that their stripes went across. And then they had the old school pants to go with it, though the Steelers. Yeah, and the Bears had they had the gold pants, okay. just like the way Notre Dame right. did, and the way Pittsburgh did. And that, but the Bears didn't have the socks like that. <laughs> so these are like. These were like the original Pittsburgh Steelers oh, actual was sweaters, a, how they used to call them. Unbelievable look. Sweaters. Yes, David. See, with the Bears doing the throwbacks, why did they do it against a team that isn't old enough to have throwback jerseys of their own? That's a good point. It's a good point, Victor. You're going to go throwback, do it against a Cleveland Brown. Yeah, do it against a Cleveland Brown. Green yeah. Bay Packer, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do it against a new franchise team. Okay, the Packers have crazy-looking throwbacks. Uh, the Bears have done the, you know, I don't know what it is, but when the Bears do the throwbacks with the Packers, the Packers don't have the throwbacks on. Well, in 94, they did when the, some people say that the Bears 1994 jerseys or uniforms are the ugliest in the history of professional sports. Mm-hmm. I don't personally agree with it. I love those things. Uh, but the Denver Broncos, you see, it's kind of the, when the Bears wore those throwbacks, just like the Steelers had on those, those style, that's what everybody wore in the 1920s, uh, 30s. Well, when you talk about what the Denver Broncos had before they were the Broncos or right when they turned in the Broncos, when they wore mustard and brown and had the striped back, <laughs> yeah. that is but ugly. That's the worst <laughs> uniform in the history of sports because by the 60s, 
coach, they should have known not to be dressing like that on a football field. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe we can get a top ten video of worst uniforms in uh, NFL history. But, again, I, with me, with Pittsburgh, part of me, it was a love-hate relationship. Part of me said these no, things. No, I like them. It's all love with me. Really? I All those, anything, any time they go back to the jerseys of the 1920s, no matter how ugly they are, I am so happy. And maybe some, <laughs> there might be some kid, some nerd like me that was growing up and started investigating the, the first 20 years of NFL football and realized how colorful and how many characters were playing football back then. It was a great time for the NFL football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Bears win at 23-22. Want to do a quick NFL round-em-up, wrap-em-up, but i got to give one final thought. And First of all, Carolina Panthers played a heck of a game on the road. I like their coach, Ron Rivera, felt bad that they had to lose a game. I thought all along, Big Dog, as the game's going on, you know what? Carolina will find a way to lose the game. And sure enough, yeah, I they did, did too. I was never yep. worried until Robbie Gold lined up for the field goal. Well, I don't know if I'd say that, but I but I did feel like Carolina would find a way, and sure enough, they did. Here's my big complaint from Carolina's standpoint. The what? The final drive. And Jay Cutler was brilliant. I give him all the credit in the world. But what stupid defensive strategy? I said this before, not after. I said right up. And, and to me, you do it during the game, too. But especially in the final drive, you do not let the other team's best player beat you. You put a guy up as close as you can to Brandon Marshall. And you bump him, you shove him, you hit him, whatever you need to do the first five yards. You then put a guy in the normal defensive back spot. So you basically have a hit, shove, push, and then the regular defensive back will pick him up. Two guys on him, let somebody else beat you. They played that stupid cushion defense. It's a killer. I'm rooting for the Bears, but I got mad at Carolina for playing that dumbass defense. <laughs> I, I want to keep the betting for people that actually deserve it. I ain't going to get all of a sudden Ron Rivera being dumb. Why not? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to laugh about it. I, could, I really could care less, Coach. Uh, at that point, you know, the Bears really did move up the field extremely well at that point. And, and here's what I want to say. I was I was not worried that Robbie Gold was going to miss the kick. What I was worried about the fact was how the Bears nonchalantly, oh, we're, yep. we're it's going to be a 43-yard field goal. They'll make this now. Let's just run the clock out and clock it. Yep. Really? You don't think they could have attempted to make a – yeah, the 43, yes, it's Robbie Golden. It seems like everything under, like, 48 is automatic for the guy, even though he missed one earlier in the same direction, people, with the wind going in every different direction down at Soldier Field. That's all that worried me, Coach, was I thought they could have made it a lot closer field goal, and they just assumed too much. Yep. And all of a sudden, I was like, why didn't they? They 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 left, like, 25 seconds worth of ball movement mm-hmm. on the clock. I'm with they you. I, I, I thought the same thing. They were much too casual and and pretending that the 43-yard field goal be automatic, not in that win. Yeah. Well, no, another totally thing with agree. those last two minutes, if you noticed, what Carolina was doing, when they get the ball carrier, they'd wrap them up and everybody would scrum in and yeah. eat, eat time off the clock, mm-hmm. too. But <laughs> all's well that ends well. Bears come up with a 23-22 victory. Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Big Dog with your uh, perusal, permission, and officiation. Can we go over the rest of the NFL games in our round-em-up, wrap-em-up fashion? Just if you remember that, uh, I said the game was going to come down to a Robbie Gold field goal, uh, a walk-off winner in the fourth quarter. Oh, that's if you remember right. that it would be an ugly win. Big dog so call. I predicted, I predicted 2017. I didn't predict 23-22. That's right. You nailed that mm-hmm. one. Nicely done, my friend. What were you on beat the smells, by I, the way? Speaking of, I, I think I, I went, went one and two. One and two? 
David Olson, by the way, back on the winning track, two and one, and he was one Dallas Cowboy fingertip or two fingertips? Two fingertips away yeah. from going three and out. I went 0-3, big dog, and I told you it's the last time I've ever picked on the Jets if they fail on me, and they did. Miami somehow pulled that out, but you went 1-2. and two. All right, so you and me. I'm pretty sure I did, yeah. You and me, not too good. All right, here we go. NFL round them up, wrap them up. We already mentioned the Steelers' uniforms. Let's mention the Pittsburgh Steelers, their defense all over Robert Griffin III. Uh, a bunch of drop by the Redskins receivers, too, and you know what? We haven't talked about it much, but Ben Roethlisberger's playing some pretty good football. Three touchdowns for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is a quarterback like Eli Manning that is so much better than whatever his numbers actually say he is. Like his statistics don't add up to how good of a quarterback he is. And uh, the, the Steelers, is they're still in it because the, the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals, those are the three other teams in that division. And trust me, none of those three teams are better than the Steelers. So Mike Tom will have those guys uh, ready to play by the time the playoffs are here. All right. Green Bay Packers knock off Jacksonville 24-15. Keep the pressure on the Bears. That's probably a good thing. Eight starters out for the Packers. Big Dog still find a way to win. Uh, workmanlike performance. Yeah, and uh, it was a tough win from all the way around. I mean, they needed a blocked punt, really, in order to, uh, to get in a position to actually win that game. Uh, Jacksonville was close the whole entire game, and I, the NFL, the, the difference between the best team and the worst team is not that big, and that proved it yesterday at Lambeau Field. No question about it. One of the best games of the day included another of our NFC North countermates. So last week's stomping boys, the Detroit Lions, come back with a huge win at Seattle. And Big Doe, they win at 28-24, and there are watershed moments for a team, sometimes for individuals. I believe that the Detroit Lions had it yesterday, five minutes left. Seattle just made a field goal. They're behind. They're going up against one of the top defenses in the NFL, and they get a five-minute drive, 16 plays. They complete it with a Stafford to Titus Young pass for a touchdown, a team that has failed in the clutch so often. Come through in the end with the big drive, possibly a watershed moment for the entire organization. No, absolutely not. That was at Ford Field, by the way, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Uh, it, ah. was it wasn't in Seattle. And don't forget, two weeks earlier they had a uh, – they were down 11 points to the Eagles in the fourth quarter. Then yeah. they went on the, you know, so it's watershed moments for Detroit. Don't even, don't even think of that. <laughs> They're gonna I gave him my best place. John Fashenda buildup and Big Dog just shoots it down. That's a, that's a last place team, coach. I'm not so sure. Not I don't so want to sure. beat up on people from Detroit right now. They have to deal with the Pistons. The, the Red Wings can't repeat. They can't. They're done. The Red Wings are done. And now they have the, the Lions have no chance. Oh, by the way, they, they have a team called the Tigers, too. They didn't have a good weekend. Oh, boy. Yeah, we got to talk about them. The Detroit Pistons, by the way, I think David Olson, our producer, has a, as the NBA season begins tomorrow, a highlight tape of the 2011-12 version of the Detroit Pistons. We have it carded up, ladies and gentlemen, the highlights of last year's Detroit Pistons. That was not a technical malfunction, Big Dog. That was the actual tape. Moving right along. All right. New England, 45, St. Louis Rams, 7. Big dog, this game was played at Wembley Stadium in beautiful downtown London. And uh, Tom Brady apparently adapted to the environment just fine. Four touchdowns for him. Yeah, and uh, throwing them to everybody. Gronk had a couple. Brandon Lloyd had two catches. They were both touchdowns. Uh, Whenever it seems like teams are put in a weird situation, 
Like it's just natural, normal type of game. The, the Patriots tend to yep. react a little bit better than the other team. Does. Let us not forget then, the rookie of the year who uh, was not distracted by all the potential distractions of the fine city of London. Stephen Ridley, fifteen carries, hundred and twenty-one yards. Not bad, big dog. Yeah, it's not bad when you're getting eight a crack and Tom Brady is your quarterback. You're going to win a lot of football games that way. Mm-hmm. New York Giants knock off the Cowboys 29-24. Des Bryant catches what uh, was originally ruled the game-winning touchdown, but the replay showed fingertips barely, barely out of bounds. Tough loss. Giants come up with a big win against Dallas and uh, uh, six turnovers for the Dallas Cowboys. Big Del Romo had a good game, 400 and some hours passing, but he got intercepted four times. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't call that good, but uh, I also blame four interceptions, four sacks on the fact that he dropped back 66 times. <clears throat> Come on, Jason Garrett, don't do that to Tony Romo anymore. You got to figure out a way to protect your quarterback a little bit. And, and 437 yards doesn't really mean too much to me, Coach. If it's only six yards an attempt, that's really not that impressive as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. There'd be much better off throwing it 45 times. Having ten yards in a attempt, yeah. then then I would be impressed. Okay, but uh, I would, that, <laughs> the Des Bryant play. Getting back to that, he catches the ball way, way, way up in the air. How we got past Corey Webster is Corey Webster's fault. If I'm the New York Giants defensive backs coach, I would act like we lost that game because there's no way Des Bryant should be catching that ball totally alone on the back of the end zone. You can't fault the guy for touching out of bounds with his fingertips, but man. If he could have just fallen down without trying to break his fall, Coach, the, right now we're talking totally different. We're talking about how Tony Romo battles, has to throw the ball 62 times, you know, in order to beat the, the Giants. But instead we're talking about how the mm-hmm. fact that the Cowboys season is done right now, folks. In other words, by falling down, as you're describing, his feet would have absolutely been in bounds. Oh, no, there's no question. He was literally a foot and a half away from the sideline. Right. But if your hands hit first, then then well, the fact that the feet are inbounds do not matter. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. If if your like your your butt, your knee, your shin, all that is just one of them is considered being inbounds. And mm-hmm. if that would have hit a split second before the hand did, you would have been in. But it was just the other way around. Mm-hmm. The hand hits just before the butt does. Kind of the story of the season, and literally the last couple of seasons for Jerry Jones's. Uh, Semi-malfunctional machine known as the Dallas Cowboys. Big win for Eli and the Giants. How about Indy knocking off Tennessee 19-13? to Indianapolis Colts with their head coach uh, still in the hospital, uh, battling leukemia. They have pulled together Big Dog, a young team that's sort of like Miami, was expected to do not much this year. They're getting big wins. And Andrew Luck, he hasn't been great, but he's playing like a 10-year battle-tested veteran. He's, he's just He's progressing as a rookie. Perfectly. Moving up the and, chains, moving up the ladder. And and the Colts know they have themselves a really good quarterback, so they have made it a point to try to have an as effective running game as they possibly can. Yep. They're getting the ball with Vic Ballard, the kid out of Mississippi State. Did you happen to see his touchdown yesterday? The most spectacular play all day yesterday was by him. Did you happen to see the touchdown I, that won the game for him, Coach? Did, uh, well, I thought it was a pass. It was a pass. Big Ballard catches it, runs up the sidelines, gets hit, gets knocked out of bounds, but contorts his body while he's flying in the air to make sure that uh, the ball goes over the goal line as his helmet knocks over the pylon, wow. which makes you inbounds, which makes it a touchdown, and the Colts win. 
that was the most spectacular touchdown of week eight or whatever the heck last what this week was in the NFL. <laughs> it was phenomenal. No phenomenal. truth to the rumor that Vic Ballard was a third-string running back for Illinois and was not good enough to get on the field. No, no, no truth to that, but uh, he was going to go to Illinois, but they told him that he could play strong safety, and instead he went to Mississippi State where he led the, uh, everybody in the conference in rushing except for Trent Richardson last year. I said Second big... best running back in the, in the SEC is pretty good last season. David, about 5 o'clock Saturday afternoon, I sent Big Dog a very short tape. It basically had a capital I-L-L, a dash, and then an I-N-I. And there was no response to that text, which probably is the best. Well, no. No, no, no. I, you were replying. Why? I, I was letting you know that Marquise Lee had 255 yards at halftime, yeah. and you're taking a shot at my Illini. <laughs> really? Really? Hey, it's my Illini, too. Well, you don't like him. You root for, them. You root for Northwestern yeah. against Illinois. That is, so it's not your Illini. Yeah. You root for Northwestern versus Illinois. It's just uh, the heat I'm taking when, uh, <laughs> when Notre Dame scored a touchdown to go up uh, – at that point, was it 10-3 they went up at that point? Uh, I was like, yeah. And so somebody in my house watching another football game on another in another room screams out, well, Illinois sucks, so now you're a Notre Dame fan. I mean, do I have to really deal with this? Okay, I'm half Irish. I can pick up the Notre Dame fighting Irish as a, as a pseudo team in the good whenever I choose to. Okay, just like you, Coach can say that Dave Cremini belongs in the Hall of Fame if he ever has a good weekend. All right, that's just that's just the way it goes. <laughs> All right. right. All right, I feel your pain. I, I feel the wrath. I'm with you on that. There's it, no reason. Has to... Illinois fan losing to Indiana like that? Because were you watching that game? It would bring no. a freaking tear to your eye how I, bad they played. I switched <laughs> off driving around a little bit. Heard on the radio, optimistic in the beginning, and then as things fell apart, it's it's unbelievable. Well, they played really stupid, and they made up for it by playing with lack of heart. <laughs> Yeah, that was at home too, right? Oh goodness, at Indiana home. coach, they just they just handed the game away, handed the game away. Getting... I can't even. Oh, it's 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 second and one, and let's and... run the ball up the middle twice and not get it and have to kick it on fourth and, and one. And then my favorite quote, you probably didn't read this one, Big Dell. This is going to get your ear going. Uh, Tim Beckman, Tom Beckman, Tim Beckman, right? Well, no, don't get his name right. Of all the people the head... you get names wrong on here, <laughs> don't get his name right. The head coach for the Fighting Illini, Coach Beckman, will call. Talking about in the paper afterwards how Indiana has made the improvement from year one to year two under their new coach. You ready for this? He said, well, Indiana is kind of where we want to be. <laughs> in other words, he was trying to make a point of how they want to improve in year two under him, but Indiana is where we want to be. There's your quote of the day for not, the week. He did not just say that. Uh, I, I, oh. <laughs> All right. You okay? He actually said that. Well, again, it was in the context of the fact that Indiana has improved under their new coach from year one to year two. But it's still, uh, Indiana, when it comes to football, that's not, Coach Beckman, where you want to be. No, that's not where you We have to have one really bad team in the conference. It's the Big Ten. Let's have that continue to be Indiana and not Illinois. Yeah. Okay. By the way, my, my favorite coach, Danny Hope, who I've held out for, I think the Danny Hope era at Purdue is about to end. Oh, Minnesota put a beat down on them, Coach. That that was that. I was able to watch a lot of snaps in that game just from the timing of it and the other. Uh, yep. I was able to put my butt down on the couch at 4 p.m. on Saturday. I haven't moved until at 9:59 this morning. Okay, 
Yeah. Uh, Minnesota's got some good, uh, like, linebackers and defensive backs Absolutely. on that team. Absolutely. They, they, they really can. They have a lot of, like, athletic players back there. And they there. had they a, fre- a freshman quarterback step in. They got a coach, a coach's coach, Dr. Jerry Gill. Phenomenal mm-hmm. coach. And in his second year, his guys, who we didn't even recruit, his guys knock off Danny Hope's guys. And Danny Hope, I think, is in his third or fourth year, really longer than that. Because he was with Joe Tiller before that. So when a second-year coach with a new program can put a spank in it on a veteran coach who's been around for a while, I'm a Danny Hope fan, but uh, time to move on, Big Doug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you keep on saying Purdue's your team. You keep yeah, on saying yeah. that, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And the biggest game in the Big Ten this weekend, Woo-hoo. and Coach, what ended up being really cool, is I, I, I learned this after Friday's show because I would have brought this up, but the Big Ten commissioner, Jim Delaney, Basically announced, yes, these teams are not eligible for bowl consideration, but if Penn State or if Ohio State end up winning the division, the leaders' division, that they would actually be able to claim that division title as their own, even though Wisconsin would be going to the, the Big Ten Including housing a trophy. Well, I don't know what you get. I don't know if you get a trophy for a division winner. Yeah, but sure you do. They, yeah, what's, yeah, whatever you get, yes, they would be okay. the, they would get the division Good. credentials. They can actually put up on their stadium 2012, mm-hmm. you know, leaders yeah. division champion. I like that. Kudos to Jim Delaney for making that happen. I, I would, uh, I would have proved it. kind of cool that he announces it like right before the game. And if you're Ohio State and you're, if you're a Penn State player or Ohio State player and all of a sudden you're like, guess what? This game could mean something that will be recognized. All of a sudden, then you get that back. That don't tell me that did not elevate the intensity of the football game because I know it would have. Seriously, I would have been like, "Thank you, Jim Delaney. We're actually playing for something tangible, not just our pride, which would be good enough for every single football player who gets to run into other human beings at full mm-hmm. speed." Don't get me wrong, coach. And by but, the way, it was the Ohio State Buckeye that went into Happy Valley and knocked off a Penn State team. Uh, another big victory for Ohio State, as much as we. Don't want to like him, Urban Meyer, big dog. Unfortunately, you can't question the fact he can coach. I have I have nothing against Urban Meyer. Eh. I have nothing at all against Urban Meyer. And if Ohio State can get so good that when Ohio State plays in the well, trust me, when next year when they have their next load of this is really too bad because the the defensive front that Ohio State has right now, coach, is ungodly. The only other team with a better defensive front in America is either South Carolina or, or, or LSU, and I'm not including Alabama. That's how good Ohio State is up front. They're going to lose all these guys. So hopefully their replacements are good next year because I really want someone in the Big Ten to be good enough to beat SEC teams in the national title game. I'm so sick. All right, who wins the SEC? Okay, they win the they win the BCS game 40-20. to 20. Mm-hmm. It's, That's Whoever wins the SEC this year is going to play Oregon. They're going to play K State. They're going to destroy them in the in the national title game. And I don't want it to happen. I'm hoping it doesn't, and hopefully we'll predict against it. But I want it to be Ohio State and a Big Ten team that eventually does it. By the way, just as a sideline, coaching. Not to forget that coaching that Ohio State defense and defensive line that you're talking about is last year's interim coach, a guy I thought. He's going to become a heck of a coach. Maybe it was a little bit before his time to take over Ohio State, but Luke Feckel. The guy who coached last year, he is, he's, Urban Meyer kept him on. He's running the defense for the Buckeye Big Dog. Yeah, Luke Fickle. And, 
And Luke Fickle, Fickle had Fickle? Uh, Fickle. Fickle. He had a couple offers from other schools. And, you know, like when, and when Urban, he wanted to stay. And somebody asked Urban Meyer, like, is he uncomfortable that last year's head coach is now, like, do you really want him on the staff? And he was like, are you kidding me? This guy will do anything for Ohio State. Yep. I want this guy around. He's got a job here as long as he as he ever wants to be here. And, you know, think about Luke Fickle will eventually be an incredible coach because yep. all of a sudden he's a head coach of Ohio State. He learned how to be a head coach. Now it's pulled away from him, and now he knows what it's like to be a head coach, and now he can watch Urban Meyer handle the same exact situation that he had last year and learn how to be a head coach while he already knows how to be one. Luke Fickle's going to end up being an amazing football coach because of this experience. And on the Luke Fickle note, Fickle or Fickle? Fickle. 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 All right. Fickle. On the Fickle Fickle note, we will uh, conclude another award-winning <laughs> edition of Two Guys at a Mike Show. Big Dog, you are uh, the kayaks have been closed down right now. You're on the job number. You're on to your winter hi- mic, uh, hibernating job. Yeah, and this is a much, much better gig for me, all right. so I got to tell you. We'll talk about it tomorrow. I can't wait to hear. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Hurricane Sandy is on the way, batting down the hatches. Good luck to everybody uh, surviving that, listening on the East Coast. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.